0: On Sunday mornings, we are in the midst of a series of lessons on essential doctrines. What does the Bible teach is the will of God for us today in this age of grace? Why do we believe what we believe? It can't be just because Brother Doug said so or this is what our families always believed and taught. We should believe what we believe because the Bible reveals it to be true. The Bible has proven itself to be God's Word, proven to be reliable. And therefore, it is the final authority for our conduct, for our doctrine, for everything that we believe, how we think. We need to be in accordance with the revealed will of God, what the Bible reveals to be right, what it reveals to be true. So our next doctrine in this series of lessons is concerning the church of God. What is the church? What is the mission of the church? These are basic fundamental truths that we need to understand. Why, why do we come together as a local assembly? Why do we make the effort to come and try to find a parking spot? Why, why do we make those efforts? There's a reason. And, it, and we should do what we do because of principle, because of understanding, enlightenment. And so let's consider what the Bible teaches about the church. What, it, what is it? Is it important? How do you join? How do you join the church? What is its function? What is its its mission? And how should it function? Obviously, there are all kinds of opinions and ideas about what a church is, what its mission is, and how it should function. This is why there are so many denominations, so many different churches, because there are so many different ideas. We want to make sure that we do what we do because that's revealed to be the will of God. Now, obviously, within the will of God, there are a number of ways to be obedient to that bold outline we have in Scripture and do things different in different ways than other assemblies, and that that's still within the will of God and glorifies the Lord. But there is a bold outline that we need to make sure we are Within as a local assembly, in our society, the the very word "church" has come to mean a building. How often do people say, "I'm going to church I'm, They mean they're going to a certain building, or sometimes it's used to talk about a certain organization, that church, or th- this church, and there's many ideas about what that church should be doing, but fortunately, we're not left to figure out for ourselves the answer to any of these questions. These things are revealed. What the church is, how you join, what it's supposed to do. The Bible's very clear about these things. And so in this series, and actually the next several lessons, uh, we'll consider what the Bible says, the answer to these questions. Obviously, we're not going to change the vocabulary of the world in general. They're still going to refer to a building as church. We're probably not even going to be able to break our own bad habit of bad vocabulary and say, I'm going to church. More accurately, we should say we're going to the church building. Probably not going to break those habits, but at least we should have a clear understanding of what the church really is. Let's go to 1 Peter 2 and verses 9 and 10 to begin. We're going to find out that the the word that's translated church in the New Testament, the word that's used in the Greek is actually a compound word that means to call out or an out calling. And the word church was a common word used by the Greeks in that day long before the church of God was was born. The Greeks used that word all the time, church. And it simply referred to any assembly of individuals or groups together. They're called out of their house to a certain place, to gather for a special reason. And so that, that word was common, and, and it means they're called out. The meaning is still the same, but with the church of God, it has even a greater meaning than that. We're not just called out of a physical location to go to another physical location. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. We're called out of darkness. We're called out from the rest of humanity to be something special and different, to be used for the glory of God. 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who are had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So we're called out of darkness. The first thing that we should understand about the true church, the church of God, is that it is not a man-made institution. It's not a man-made organization. Many denominations and movements are attributed to certain men. Uh, The Wesleyans founded the, the Methodist church, anabaptist luther even with the the groups that we associate with uh, some of you will recognize the name copley or some might recognize my great-grandfather c.e foster and many times people associate that church is their church and often when you're referring to a church and they, they say you know brother doug's church or so and so whoever's a pastor their church that's not correct if it's not the church of God, it's just another man-made religious organization that has no lasting value, that has no import whatsoever. The church is God's work. It belongs to him. He, he's the one who calls us out of darkness into the marvelous light of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The founding of the church was God. The maintenance of the church, the prosperity, the protection All of those things belong to God. They're his responsibility, not man's. Now, we have our responsibility as a part of this, as we'll continue the study, but the church is God's. It's the church of God. It's not just a title. It's what it is. Some of the corrupted thinking that has entered in, even into our group, when I pastored the the church in Topeka, where I grew up, and and the church that my great-grandfather pastored and founded back in that early 1900s I think about 1926 something like that and when I came back to pastor someone came up to me and what, they meant it as as flattery and I appreciate their attempt but they were totally wrong they said it's so good that the church remains in the hands of the foster line and again they meant it to be a compliment but I didn't receive it if it's my grandfather's church it's not the church of God. Any church or local assembly that exists for the legacy of an an individual, a man, is not the church of God. And so we need to understand that. The church is not a thing. It's not an institution. It is a group of people that have been called out by faith in Jesus Christ to be the people of God. Let's go to Acts 15 verse 14. The true church is made up of individuals that have been called out because they responded to the invitation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It is that simple. Those who believe in Jesus have been given the power and the authority to be called the children of God. The church is made up of individuals that have a different destiny than the rest of humanity, not by any action on their, their part, any merit on their part, but because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, who paid the debt of their sin in full. And based on what Jesus did on the cross, we've been called out of darkness, out of sin, out of condemnation, and now we belong to a group of people whose destiny is heaven, who have eternal life. Acts 15 and, and verse 14, Simon has declared, that is Peter, how God at the first visited the Gentiles to, call, to take out of them a people for his name. And so this calling out, this church, it's not just a calling out of one place, a physical place to a second physical place. It's a change in our standing before the creator. In Revelation 5 verses 8 to 10, who belongs to this church? Is the church an American church? institution. <laughs> the Americanizing of the gospel of Jesus Christ is one of the greatest catastrophes that has ever happened among God's people. Americans are the church. <laughs> uh, no. You have to do things like the Americans if you want to be a real Christian. You'll be surprised at the attitude among Christians that that's the way they think. But what does the Bible tell us? Revelation 5, 8-10. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. Talking about Jesus Christ and have redeemed us to God by your blood. You've called us out of condemnation into being accepted in the presence of God. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. So the church includes people from all around the world. Every individual who accepts Jesus as their Savior is a member of the church. That's how you join. By believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Does it matter the nationality? Does it matter the race? And do you see how faith in Jesus Christ and understanding this doctrine of the church of God, do you see how that tears down every wall of bigotry that man has put up that is a part of the flesh? If you're not like me, if you don't do what I do and how I do it, I hate you. But in the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's no room for that kind of bigotry. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ is your brother and sister in the Lord, as we'll continue to find out in in our study. Belongs to the church, a member of the church, Romans 8. How do I know that I'm a part of that special group? Well, in our study on predestination, we found in Romans 8, 29 and 30, we can know that we have been called out. We can know that we are a member of the church if we've accepted Jesus as our Savior. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined. There's a set destiny for those who God knew would accept his son as their Savior, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also did what? He called. Whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. All past tense. I know that I'm a member of the church of God because I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Now, before I accepted Jesus as my Savior, I didn't know that I was going to do that, but God in his foreknowledge, he knows the end from the beginning and that blows our finite mind, but don't try to put God in that humanized box of ours. He knows all things. His knowledge is perfect. The Bible tells us. And so he knew what my decision would be. And from that day, if we can put it in human terminology from past eternity, He knew that I would accept Jesus as my my Savior. And when I did, when that was my personal experience, I know I'm a part of the church. He called me out. Those that he predestined, he called. Being a member of the true church has nothing to do with putting your name on a register here on earth. There are so many people that that means everything to them, to have their name on a book here on this earth. It gives them prestige. There are some churches that require it. Unless you sign and pledge to be a a member of the church, then then you're you're not a member of our church. Well, I don't want to be a member of your church. (laughs) I'm glad to know I'm a member of the church of God. Hebrews 12, verses 22 to 24. We're not called to go to a physical place and sign a physical book to be a member of the church. We're called on to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 22 to 24. This is a very enlightening passage, Hebrews 12:22, "But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. So we have a list of things that we've come to. so we're being called out of darkness. that's where we're leaving from. but where are we going? Where is this place we're going? Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven to God. We've come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Finally, we've come to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better, better things than that of Abel. To be a member of the church is to have been called out of darkness and to come to Zion. Now, in Scripture, Zion is a symbol of the grace of God, as opposed in contrast to Mount Sinai, which represents the law to do, to try to earn God's favor. And so when it says we come to Zion, it's not talking about literal Zion, but that symbolic Zion of the grace of God. We've been called out of darkness, and we come into what God by his grace has provided for us, salvation. We've come to the heavenly city, not to an earthly center or headquarters. One of the first questions I'm asked when people find out I'm a pastor, uh, well, what church do you belong to? Where's your headquarters? My headquarters is in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have an accountability to hear, to on earth and to other men but my headquarters i've come to the heavenly city to the living god not a dead religion but i've come back to my creator that's what i'm called out of darkness into a relationship with the the god of heaven and earth we've come to association with angels not just men who boast in power and wealth people like to name drop well I'm a disciple of so-and-so, I'm a disciple of so-and-so. No, we don't associate with mere mortal men for our... Pre- we have association with angelic beings that are sent as messengers to protect us and to do the will of our Father on our behalf. That's my association. To the General Assembly, that is, a festive gathering and and to that common fellowship. That's why you gather together in one place. You have something in common, whether it be a family gathering or whether it's a gathering like we have here. There's a common reason why we're here, and it it is to be a festive assembly, one with joy. So we've come to the general assembly of the firstborn written in heaven, registered in in the books of heaven, not earth, the firstborn written, and, and to God, the judge of all. We are joined with God, our creator, just men made perfect. I have joined the group of those who stand justified before the judge of heaven and earth. I have that confidence and that boldness. I don't fear death. I don't fear the wrath of God because I've been called out of that to be associated with justified men, women, all who've put their faith in Jesus Christ. And finally, we've come to Jesus. The mediator between God and man. Do you see what the real church is? It's not your name on a register in some earthly building. It's in heaven. It'll never pass away. My name will never be removed from that role. Luke 10. This is why Jesus told his disciples in Luke 10, verses 17 to 20. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 20. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in, in your name. Jesus had just sent his disciples out on a missionary trip, and God miraculously used them to do wondrous miracles among the people and the disciples, obviously, and understandably were quite excited about being able to have that power to heal people. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Jesus said, yes, I've given you that power in order to demonstrate that that I've called you with the message of salvation, the message of eternal redemption. Jesus says, yes, I've given you that marvelous power to do those things. Verse 20 something more important than that. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's my joy. That's my peace. That's what gives me strength and anchor in my life. I belong to the church of God. My name is written in heaven. I'm eternally associated with the creator of heaven and earth, not based on anything that I've done or merited, But by the grace of God, I've come to Zion. I've come to the grace of God. I'm joined with God. I'm set aside for his glory. And he declares that I'm special. Special to him. A member. One member of the many members of this glorious living organism. Revelation 21 and 27. Revelation chapter 21 verse 27. This is how you join the church. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not a member of the church because you attend Abundant Grace Fellowship. If that's your confidence, sorry, you're not a part of the church. Now well, you you can come," said that. That's not a problem, but don't don't deceive yourself. The only way to be a member is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what other title you put on yourself or what others put on you. This is the important thing. Revelation twenty one twenty seven. But there shall by no means enter it. That is heaven. Anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the only way to get your name written there is by believe, believing that the Lamb was sacrificed for your sins. It is simple, but it is powerful. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That's the simple invitation of the gospel. And your name then becomes written in the Lamb's book of life. So when you understand that, you understand there aren't many churches. There's only one, only one true church. Now, there are many local manifestations of it, as we'll see as we continue. There are many manifestations in local areas, but there's only one church. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. Ephesians 4 and verse 4. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And so, anyone who has accepted Jesus as their Savior, they're part of the same church I'm part of. They may call themselves Baptist, they may call themselves Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian. Now, just because you belong to those denominations, that doesn't make you a member of the Church of God. But if in the course of your association, you've accepted the invitation of the gospel to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they belong to the same church I do. We'll find out they're my brother or sister. It doesn't matter if they go somewhere else. It doesn't matter if they're on the other side of the planet. We belong to the same God, to the same church. Something we need to remember. It'll help us when we're dealing with others from different groups. We're not against them. Don't hate them. There's a certain separation that must take place if there's truths and doctrines that are rejected that the Bible teaches as as true. Yes, there's. it can limit our fellowship with them, but if they've accepted Jesus as their Savior, they belong to the same church I do. One faith. In closing, I'll just give you three analogies that the Bible uses, and Lord willing, in our next lesson, we'll consider those. But to try to help us understand how the church is to function in the will of God, the Bible gives us three analogies. The first one is that of a house. A house is built for a purpose. A house there are certain activities that take place in, in that building. Now this is a spiritual building, but the analogy of this spiritual building is points us to a literal house so we can make some comparisons about how the why the church is here, what's it supposed to do? What's supposed to take place in the church? Then we'll see that the church is also compared to a body. So it gives us a whole other set of, of things to look at. Oh, that's that's how we're supposed to function. We're members one of another. We're supposed to help one another. We're supposed to, to understand that we are directly connected to one another and directly connected to the head, the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at that, Lord willing, next week. And then lastly, the church is compared to a family. We're of the same blood. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter what your nationality is. We're family because Jesus died on the cross for us. Thank God for his grace and his mercy. We'll, we'll stop there this, this morning. Let's stand as we have a song in closing.